0: Welcome to episode four of Horror Dads. You are joined by your host, John and... And Jamie. Oh. Jamie. 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 Creeping in with his weird voice. Um, Hey, this episode today is really exciting. Uh, We are going to launch into an interview with the amazing Emily Bennett. Emily Bennett. Uh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's
0: just how he talks now. Uh, No, but Emily's really incredible. She's an actor. Amazing. Amazing. Actor, writer, producer, director uh, within in the genre. Um, you know, the horror genre is pretty underrepresented by female directors. So, really great to have her contribution um, and discussion with uh, the psychological horror genre, which is what we really focus on for this um, for this episode. Right,
1: the descent into madness, if you will. Yeah, um, talking and Emily did a film in the same genre called lovers which yeah. is available on youtube and you can watch through watch which is a great website uh you can watch a lot of indies in short films this is a short it's like 10 to 12 minutes long um and it's great it's a little bit heavy
0: yeah we'll, we'll post links and and uh access instructions on how to get to that film it's only about 11 and a half minutes so it's it's worth a watch
1: touches on domestic violence so it's Got some weight to it,
0: yeah. And, and Emily's kind enough to share some personal stories relating to that, so um, yeah, her,
1: inter- her interview is great, yeah,
0: fantastic interview. So, um, before we sort of dive into that, we're gonna cover a couple just general housekeeping things. Um, one being films that we don't talk about in this episode but are related to this genre of psychological madness, uh, related horror. That uh, Jamie and I both really like. So, Jamie, what films yeah, so fit that mold?
1: Leading up to this, uh, Psycho is the first one you go to, right? It's like
0: I, that's a critical, critical film of my life, and Alfred Hitchcock in general. We talk a lot about him during this episode, and don't have enough positive things to say.
1: Um, following in succession by year, I guess we hit Dementia Thirteen, which neither of us had seen before. Um, that is a Francis Ford Coppola film yep this is a great film
0: that's a great movie what about Identity?
1: Identity is great yeah I didn't even yeah. think about that one
0: that, that's a really
1: I found that Whoa, one later dude, yeah. yeah that's a good one if you haven't seen Identity that is a great one
0: take a look John Cusack's in it great movie
1: uh, then we watched well I watched dude I've never seen this before The Tenant
0: I still have not seen it uh,
1: Roman Polanski oh yeah directed and starred in this movie it's from 1976 rosemary's baby too i mean i guess both polanski so rosemary's baby was part of a i guess they actually say this was part of a trilogy um a a trilogy about apartment uh, like shit that can go i guess the way apartments can drive you mad maybe because the tenant perfectly exemplifies that there's
0: a uh an element of that in rear window i suppose yeah yeah yep uh, oh, what else? I, some others I had Shutter Island, um, which is yep. a newer one. I watched Misery.
1: Joker, that's in that same. Oh, Joker! Yeah, yeah. Brittany I I really,
0: really liked it. What did you feel? How do you feel about Joker?
1: Thought it was great. Yeah, that's in... You know, it's a little bit dirty. It's a little bit grimy. It's it is gritty. But I love that about it. Um. Oh, I also watched. This, this is off the genre, but I watched uh, Black Coat's Daughter for the first time. Uh, that's Oz Perkins. Kind of relates. Oz Perkins is Anthony Perkins' son. Um, so oh. yeah, little touchback to Psycho. We'll but, just keep dude, talking like about Psycho's daughter. God damn, that, Goddamn, that is a. It's like you know, it's a little bit slow burn at first. Once you get in there, like your wife's gonna love that. Okay. She we'll, loves we'll that check like that disturbing type shit. And then I watched Bliss on Shutter, uh, that came out 2019 shutters Ooh. uh this most recent
0: round of uploads they've had some good ones yeah
1: they have yeah now bliss i'm not sure if i recommend it or not it's not for everybody but it is something
0: it's worth a watch yeah um, How about you
1: anything else you've been watching
0: i mean just doing a lot of research for this one so sure watch through the three that we discussed later so we won't tell you what those mm-hmm. are but you'll find out um, save those
1: as a surprise
0: got my uh friday 13th part six vinyl
1: yesterday oh yeah you Came got in the that mail. a little bit late yeah
0: God, dude, unwrapping that, I feel like a kid on Christmas morning. I've
1: been waiting for it for so long. Man, when I got that, like, i whenever I get these vinyls from Waxwork, I just I can't, can't wait, can't wait, wait get to get, to in get inside them, yeah. Uh, I know sometimes I think, like, maybe I shouldn't open this. Maybe it'll be a collector's edition someday, but I just, I can't. I'm just like a kid on Christmas ripping yeah. into it, yeah. Looking at the pictures, and Ghoulish Gary killed it on this one, as always.
0: One thing I do want to mention is we have... Uh, heightened our reach on social media. So we are now available on Facebook and Twitter and as well as Instagram, which we have been on. Um, so you can find us on any of those outlets at horror dads. Uh, if you want to reach out to us via email, you can do so at horror at gmail.com. And my wife keeps yelling at me about this, but please give us a review on Apple podcast, a five-star review, she called me at work in the middle of the day and said, I need to talk to you. You have to stop asking people for five-star r- <sighs> reviews. You sound cheap.
1: Uh, unfortunately, we need it due to the algorithm. Yeah,
0: so that's the best way for fe- yeah, people to be able to find us. So so please uh, reach out to us on social. Email us if you have episode topic ideas or questions. Oh, yeah, please do. And Anything uh, you
1: guys want to hear, let us know.
0: Hit us up on Apple Podcast with a review. And anything further before we jump in, James?
1: Uh, what what you wearing there? I like that shirt you got on.
0: I have my Stephen King Rules shirt on, actually. Hey, you know what's funny about this? So, I have been editing the episodes, and every time I ask, "Hey, what are you wearing?" Yeah, it's so cold in my basement. Oh, you always that, hear the zip. <laughs> the zip. Yeah. So maybe I'll I'll code that in. What do you have on there, man?
1: Oh dude, so last last week, you week, were wearing yeah. the Let's Get Spooky. I'm wearing my Let's Get Spooky, which we mentioned, I think, the purple and the orange. Well yours is Here done by the... Let's do the unzip.
0: <laughs> yours is done by the ever talented Aaron Crawford. Mine's done by Jeff Bezos on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um Alright, well, super great episode this week. We're really excited about this, so we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and go watch, watch Lovers. Lovers. Yeah. And with that, enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to Horror Dad.
0: All right. Welcome to episode four of Horror Dads. We are joined today um by the very talented emily bennett emily welcome
1: hi guys thank you hi emily so
0: emily is a uh very successful actor writer director producer um had the opportunity to connect with her uh, and she's very active in the horror genre so really excited to dive in and um get some really you know great contribution from someone that actually works in the industry as jamie and i do not
1: Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us today, Emily.
2: Oh my God, thank you for having me.
0: Um, So Emily, you know, we we sort of talked about this in advance, but this is super casual fun. Um, We have a list of questions to ask you, but we're not gonna really stick to them, so let's just let the conversation.
1: Yeah, it's uh, just you hanging out with a couple horror nerds.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's all I do, so.
1: Perfect. What got you into (laughs) horror, Emily? Like, did you grow up loving horror? Did you get into it late in life?
2: Uh, so I was born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, very, uh, very Bible Belt. very, you know, Christian and, <laughs> and <so> I, I <laughs> and I definitely take the accent when I go back home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was told that it wasn't cool. It wasn't okay to watch movies like that. Um, and so as a kid, I was like, well, that's immediately what I want to watch. Um, so yeah. my parents Forbidden were fruit. very the what?
0: The forbidden fruit syndrome yeah
2: oh yeah i mean if you tell a kid they can't do something that's all they want to do so of um i was like well now i know what i want to do i want to watch a horror movie so my um my nana my grandmother um she was the best she still is um but my brother and i we would go over there and um this tiny town in the south and there was a uh, an appliance store um in this teeny town with like two stoplights Um, but at the back of the appliance store was like a tiny video store and, uh, my Nana would take us in like almost like a covert mission and, uh, and I would just like run through the aisles, like arachnophobia, like Hellraiser, Freddy. And, um, I would just be like, well, this is the scariest cover. We have to watch this. It's Um,
0: funny. That's come up like every episode is back in the day. You know, I fear that my kids don't have this experience and won't, but the you know always relating back to like walking through and the uh covers that always stuck with you and mine were always a uh, candy man that one always was really prominent yeah it seems
1: me. to be everybody's like favorite memories and how they got into horror was you know browsing the aisles and checking out their favorite covers
2: well it was just so personal back then it's like i don't know it's it's something you discovered in the real world. Like it wasn't on a computer screen. It wasn't like a red box. Like it was Yeah. There's
0: like tangibility it, to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it kind of felt like a library, but it was like a magical library, <laughs> Right. It would, like play for you. And I don't know, there was something so special about that. I hope your kids have a, uh, some kind of experience like that. Yeah. Um,
0: we always talk to even about how the, the quest to consume information has changed. And back in the day we would go to Best Buy on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesdays that albums would be yeah, released like every Tuesday. Right. And it'd be like, all right, I got, I'm going to spend nine ninety nine on this uh, CD. I'm going to put it in my car and I'm, you're
1: only going to listen to this for three weeks because
0: yeah. like I spent 10, 10 okay. bucks from my ice cream scooping job on this like item here. I'm going to give it the time of day. Now it's like,
1: you listen to one song and it's not like perfect for you. It's done. Yeah.
2: Oh, totally. Well, everything is so available and like real, I don't know, like people don't have books, they have Kindles, they, you know, we don't need to own DVDs anymore, um, because they're all on streaming. But I think that's kind of reversing because, I mean, certain titles aren't on platforms anymore. Like it's, I was looking for a film, I can't remember what, oh, it was um, Near Dark. Couldn't find it.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I've actually been looking to watch that recently yeah, too, too and can't find it.
2: It's not online. And so my my boyfriend, my filmmaking partner and boyfriend, uh Justin Brooks, he recently shot a music video for this great artist, Lulu Black. And um she <laughs> she wanted to give him a gift at the end and she was like, Emily, I wanna give him something. Like, what do I give him? Um, she's like, I wanna give him like a real gift. And I was like, Oh, get him near dark, because it's not anywhere. <laughs> and
0: Get them near dark I, so I can also watch
2: it. <laughs> yeah. To, oh, absolutely. I mean, selfish as hell. But um. No, it's a good but, yeah, I mean, Thank you. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think tangible items like that. I, I don't know. There, there's something that I feel like, you know, growing up at the time that we did. I think we appreciate that in ways that uh, other, you know, slightly younger generations now might might not have that memory and so they might be discovering it now which is great but um yeah i mean we own a ton of dvds and blu-rays and i don't know it just reckons back to blockbuster and you know those the aisle at the at the appliance store for me
0: (laughs) yeah so so that that was sort of your pathway of entry to horror and then as you entered your professional career in the space of filmmaking and the different aspects of it so, talk about that journey a little bit. You know how how did you transition into horror? Because I, I think your traditional education was not, you know, really centered around that fascination initially, right?
2: Oh, absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a great question. So, I grew up loving horror. I grew up. Um, you know, telling ghost stories in Bible study class and getting kicked out for it. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I was totally they were just like, you can't say that. And I was like, we talk about the Holy Ghost. Can I just talk about ghosts? And they were like, No. <laughs> um, get out of That's here. Awesome. I just I was like, I don't understand. I just wanna tell stories. And so um but then I I, I grew up and um went to I discovered theater and I discovered acting, and I, I, I actually made horror films when I was a kid, like with my dad's camcorder. Um, but then I have to say, like once I hit a te- like teenage years, I got um, I got really into acting, but I got super snobby about like what I would watch. Um, so a, a typical teenage girl. I was just like, well, I don't like this anymore. I'm, I'm like defining myself now. And so I got super snobby and super into like Marlon Brando and James Dean and Vivian Lee and, you know, the classic Elia Kazan, anything like Royal Shakespeare Company. I was, I was like, I'm grooming myself to be a pedigree actor. Um, so I can't like anything that's like low brow. I can't like comedy and I can't like horror. Uh, (laughs) Which was just so stupid. Um, but then that. Well, it's continued. easy to I- do.
0: I mean, it's and you know, prepping for this, we were also talking about, and we talked about this last last time we had a session with Jay about, you know, yeah. our your environment sort of defining you and sort of uh, this is likely where you're heading, but like really owning, you know, again, the one chooses the wizard. We always use that Harry Potter analogy, but like yeah. just own it. Like you you like what you like. But I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, a hundred percent. So I, I, I went to boarding school for acting. Then I got into, um, I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. So that was a crazy experience for an American because they take, they took one a year when I got in. Um, but they take, I think they take a few more now. But it's it's very difficult to to go there. It's for the like, I mean, some of the greatest British actors came out of there, and it it was an incredible opportunity. And I trained there for three years. Um, but again, got super snobby. And I was just like, I only want to do theater. I only want to do Shakespeare and Jacobean plays. Um, and so honestly, it it took me until getting to New York and then honestly, Chicago, when, you know, I graduated this great school and then I was like, Oh crap, now I have to work. Now I have to like find a (laughs) Like, how the hell do I do that? I, I, and it, I mean it's a struggle <laughs> as an actor um and so i i kind of floundered for a while and uh finally got cast in a couple short horror films and i was like man i missed this and kind of since then i was like i'm back and i love this and i don't i don't care who knows it so
0: well, we're super glad you found that stride um at least from a viewership <laughs> perspective um we, we know you've got oh. a, a movie we're going to talk about a little bit here that um, is currently uh, going through the circulation process, but uh, just just kind of on the whole, are there, you know, h- how many films, I guess, uh, have you <laughs> been involved involved in, you know, whether directing or, or acting or producing?
2: Sure. I, I was thinking about that question, I think 20 to 25, something like that, um, I'm not totally sure because I will help on friends projects. Um, Some uh, still haven't come out yet, Um, but I think, I think about 20 to 25. Um, And that includes, you know, being involved in every uh, department. Um, So far I've directed um, three short films. Uh, You could say four. Um, I was talking to my friend, uh jk who's also has a great podcast um and that is his real name it's not a joke his name is j- <laughs> jk <laughs> um, yep j-y-k-y um shout out i love that guy um but he um yeah so i uh i think that's the number that that i've done um but oh what i was gonna say is j j would say um that i've directed four short films. Um, I released a, a really early short film um, called "Sending" uh, that was re- n- kind of a one take um, found footage kind of kind of short. I'm not sure I would call it like a full short film, but um, but yeah, I'm pretty. It, I would say that I've directed three. Jay would say I've directed four because he likes the other one. So awesome. yeah.
1: So Emily, let's dive into lovers a little bit. Sure. So. When did you write this film?
2: I wrote this film in twenty. God, let me see. Twenty eighteen, I believe. Because I'm no, interested
1: 20... in the process from writing to getting it made.
0: Yeah, like what is yeah? How does how's that whole cycle look? And this Yo. is this is your current film that is currently
1: um, making the festival rounds and such, right, Emily?
2: Yeah, it it just finished a really great festival run um and now it it premiered on Alter which is a, an amazing site run by Gunpowder and Sky. Um yeah, so Lovers is a very deeply emotional story for me. I uh, I believe it was 2017. Um it, it's funny the timelines because films you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a complete product now, but it takes so long." I I was like, God, was that 2017? And it was. Um, so I, I was in uh, an abusive relationship, and uh, luckily um, found myself out, found a way out. Um, and I remember uh, that night. It was very, very difficult time, obviously. Um, and anyone who's been through an abusive relationship can relate, I'm, I'm sure. But it's, it's a very difficult thing to remove yourself from and so uh the night that i ended things uh finally uh i went to sleep and i had a a crazy nightmare and that was basically the film of lovers
0: wow Um, so that was the inspiration
2: yeah so it um it came pretty fully formed um in a in a really bizarre way and uh I think growing up, having studied the paintings of René Marguerite, um, The Son of Man, which is that the man in the bowler hat with the green apple in front of his face. Yeah, Yeah, sure. You know, I grew up, I loved surrealism. I loved those paintings. And I think that image stuck in my brain so that when my subconscious was trying to pick apart emotionally what the hell had happened to me, um, that 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 image kind of came to the forefront and gave me... um, the man with the mirror. Um Yeah. So that's kind of the only way I can can describe it. Um so that's how you and, came uh, up with
0: like the, the base concept. And and thank you for you know sharing a personal yeah. story. I know that's really something that's difficult to talk about and it's great that you um have a piece of art that's able to to access. It's great as, you were able to put that yeah, down. It's yeah. That's it's, it's <laughs> courageous and, and cool and inspiring so um, it's awesome to hear. Thank
1: you. And that um, resonates in the film as well. You can tell it's very personal. It's coming from a personal space. And I'm sure it really helps since you started, you know, you wrote, directed, and starred in it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it had to be personal. I, I Honestly, the, the day after I had the nightmare, I woke up kind of like, oh, my God, you know, like in a horror film. I wake <laughs> right. up. God, um, but I immediately like grabbed my computer and wrote down some notes, and I was just like, "Oh my God, that was the craziest dream!" Holy, am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: go, feel oh, free. Great. We're just thinking... tempering ourselves. It's a, uh, it's early in the day, and we we We've haven't had any be polite, beers, yet. so we're not swearing.
2: Oh, gotcha. Well, I've got <laughs> the mouth of a sailor, so um, so to you'll okay. fit right in. Cool. Well, uh, so I woke up and I was like, holy fuck, I have to write this down. Um, and so I started taking notes and then uh, my dear, dear friend, John Klein, um, I was in New York at the time and John was back in Chicago. Uh, John is, has been a DP on, uh, my film chat room and then became the DP on lovers. Um, but he, he called me personally to check up on me and say, "Are you okay? You know, I heard what happened." And and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm totally fine." Can we? We have to shoot this film.
1: Um, <laughs> Let's get to business. I need to here. get this yeah. down. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't have time to talk about this, which is totally Irish of me, and just being like, I don't have emotions. Shut up. Yeah, I don't feel um, anything. Yeah,
0: no, we. Yeah, I can I empathize. I have some Irish in me, and I I definitely have that strand in my body sometimes. So.
2: I mean, it's it's awful. Like, you you have to like force yourself to be like, okay, I have emotions, fine. Um, but uh, yeah, so that honestly, it was kind of my therapy in a lot of ways. My, um, so you know, my mom was like, come home, and I was like, no, I have to make this movie right now. What's um, so, see, yeah, it I,
0: seems like? Given, I I don't yeah. know how projects in general go, but especially with the personalization of this project. Yeah. The process of finding contributors to bring it to life, it seems like you, you know you had support mechanisms reach out and whatnot, but how, how do you comb through and select um, individuals to do the score, to do uh, the photography, to do how, – how does that sort of look and work?
2: No, absolutely. Um, I mean, th- this took an army, really. Um I, everything started with John Klein. Um, He is one of my dearest friends, one of the sweetest, kindest human beings, also a horror director, an amazing filmmaker, um, father of three, like just the coolest guy, you know. Um, And he's a Chicagoan. Um, So obviously he's amazing. Um, By default,
0: we Chicagoans. uh, Jamie and I live there as well. So represent Chicago. We're with you.
2: Chicago. (laughs) I mean, I just love that town. Um, no, but everything really started with, with him because I, you know, I I grew up, I've, I've trained as an actor and I, I started becoming a writer. I've always been a writer, but really started writing because I got really tired of the shit I was auditioning for. (laughs) I was like, man, this is, this is garbage. So my, My becoming a writer just became more out of necessity than anything. Um, Impatient, yeah, yeah. uh, Just, just kind of wanting to see if if I could do it, and so. But my training as an actor and and then subsequent training as a writer, um, I I don't know how to run a camera. Like I I can't I can't pick up an Alexa and start shooting. I, I need someone to help me create that vision and so john john and i met um i was an actor on a project that sadly fell through but um he and i stayed in touch and then i was cast in another short film and he turned out to be the dp and so our friendship just kind of grew from there and uh we shot one film prior to lovers but i knew john was the linchpin i knew he was he was my he You know he was my eyes on set and so he and i worked so closely together and then everything kind of fell around john um i knew the physicality of the main actor i wanted uh cole simon who's worked with john a ton i I was like i want that you know cole would love me saying i would i wanted that kind of adonis (laughs) looking body (laughs) You know, I was very, <laughs> I was very sexist about it, I guess. But um, I was like, I want, I want a very intimidating looking uh, person to be in the room with me, and uh, and Cole's a sweetheart. So, um,
0: well, think, the it hit yeah. the mark because it's the film is very very haunting. It's very beautifully yeah, shot, it's a moving film. It's well done. The co- the colors were the one thing I definitely yeah, realized.
1: They jump out at you.
0: The use of red is an obvious, um, I, I assume, was an intentional factor, and it's it's really really. Well, well done. I just
1: and, and with it having almost no dialogue, the score really hit our buddy Darren.
0: Yeah, we're actually uh uh doing a show with Darren uh first week of March with Darren Callahan, so.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I love
0: True Horror Dad. He's a yeah. super nice guy. <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh. Is he ever a horror dad? Well, uh, actually the, um, the project that I met John Klein on, uh, was a project that Darren Callahan had written and sadly it, it fell through, but, um, but I've known Darren. I mean, honestly, they're, they're just, it's Darren, it's John, it's my editor Ward, it's Cole. Those guys are part of my like Chicago crew and it does not matter where we are in the world. We will always work together. Like I always want to work with those guys. I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah I love that too. And it's really cool that to sense hear. of community. That's what horror is all about, really. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, we're the outcasts. We're exactly, like the, yep. you know, the dorky kid in class who like secretly loves, you know, these these great stories. We I are mean, all and it's Randy not from Scream. Stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not. It's, it's just these, I don't know, horror is just so fun and I think people take it far too seriously <laughs> sometimes. So um, we're definitely, yeah.
0: we'll, we'll be sure to post a link on how to be able to access lovers. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get that into circulation. Please, please, please take it, an opportunity to check that out. It's really, um, it's really a great, a great short. Um, it's what, about 11 and a half minutes, Emily? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, about 11 and a half yeah, minutes. Yeah, so
1: it's a quick watch.
0: Quick watch, and and hopefully, you know, I was really but thinking it about this. it doesn't lack impact. No, it doesn't. It's very potent. Yep. And I was thinking about the stress of making a short, too, because it's kind of like, you know, I'm a musician, and I look at things from that perspective a lot of times. And it's like creating a single, almost, where it's like, okay, I have to have the most potent impact and make sure I incorporate everything about what and I want to accomplish. You can't have a wasted
1: second in it. There's not one. Yeah. Right.
0: Whereas if you were release yeah. an entire album, yeah. it's like, oh, I could do an interlude and just dick around with uh, some instrumental stuff here and so it feels like it's almost probably more difficult to do a short because of that fact it's it's very deliberate almost
2: i mean it's <clears throat> it's a study of what what does this absolutely need and what is not serving the ultimate story and so you you know to to use a to borrow a phrase you have to kill your babies you have to kill your darlings you have to you know, take everything away that's not part of your, the reason that you're telling the story. And so I think with a feature, my uh, my partner and I are going into, uh, we're co-directing a feature in the next few months. Oh, good. Um, that is just, we're so thrilled about it. We're, we're not in final stages yet, so I can't, I can't fully talk about it yet, but it's, um, I mean, we're, we're so looking forward to the opportunity to have a feature, to have that amount of time. That's kind of our, our album, in a way. Um, well, uh,
0: John Carpenter and Deborah Hill did this uh, in 1977, yeah. and we see how that turned out. So we're
2: yeah, hoping exactly. for the same result. <laughs> I mean, fingers crossed. That would be great. Great company.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess speaking of that, what, what are the specific films, I guess, that have inspired you from the horror genre throughout your career?
2: Um, no, absolutely. I would say uh, The Shining for sure. Um, seven, uh, Let the Right One In, uh, Psycho, Vertigo, uh, The Seventh Seal. If you can call that a horror movie, um, I've not seen that one. It's brilliant. Um, it's it's Bergman's most commercially known film, but it's it's a uh, when we first got the image of death in a robe playing chess.
0: I, I just had a horrifying, speaking of horror, deja vu moment, yeah. writing down the seventh seal on this piece of paper just now. So oh, really? there's something there. There's a phantom in my brain at the moment.
2: <laughs> it's following you. Yeah, it follows. <laughs> yeah, you should see it. It's, it's amazing. I honestly, I mean, people could argue with me. Bergman is one of my favorite filmmakers. I would argue that most of Bergman's films are horror films. They're just horror, uh, emotional horror films um and existential horror films but um
0: really interesting though because uh, so let me ask this question too as a as a filmmaker and as a contributor to two films do you get frustrated or do you enjoy the idea of making something like lovers um and having someone watch it without context and then having an interpretation and it not being what the intent was. Is that frustrating for you or do you look at it and say like, oh, good, I'm glad you are able to extract something else from this?
2: I mean, honestly, it, its it's really been the first time that I've unleashed anything that I've – Created um, you know that so many eyes have been on it and and seeing the comments on YouTube and Facebook um, I I was honestly sick to my stomach before it dropped like before it premiered I was just like this is gonna be horrible uh, no one's gonna like it Everyone's gonna hate this thing or they're gonna be like uh, Or they're not gonna get it but honestly the the comments have been so fascinating and some people absolutely tap into my intent. And some people say, Oh, this is about narcissism or it's about, um, the film industry or, and honestly, I was like, I, I didn't know how I'd feel about it. That's great. I, you know, I, I don't, I can't control what people are going to think about it. And as long as they're being honestly, as a filmmaker, as long as they're being thoughtful, um, about their, you know, if they're commenting, um, I, I I kind of appreciate all of it. Now some people are just like this is a pile of shit, and I'm just like, oh okay, well, I mean it's you. So you're you know people are gonna obviously say like this is garbage, and you're like, well, yeah. this is. YouTube. So I mean, yeah, you'll
1: always have that.
0: It's and that's when we were prepping to do this too, as two, you know, non-industry people that are just fans trying to do this. Like we've already we haven't hit criticism quite yet, um, mostly because I think it's. It's people closer to us that are either, you know, listening to or or, uh, circulating on our behalf. But that was definitely something we talked about, like, oh, uh, yeah, there are going to be some trolls out there. And I guess it's just part of life that we live in now. But
1: even even some of our most favorite films have people that hate them. That's, you know, all of us. Yeah. And people that say they hate Halloween. It's like, what the hell?
2: Yeah, well, exactly. But you know what I learned through this? and, And I. I hope you guys feel this way too honestly once lovers was out there uh, any doubt i had in my mind kind of went away because i love that film and i love the team that was behind it and i love i love the people that it can touch and and honestly i just i fucking believe in my film and yeah it, good it,
1: that's it, all that matters at that point
0: yeah and you honestly you should as as fans of the genre we we say that you should and uh, fuck the trolls. We'll yeah, just leave you it know at what that. What I love yeah. about
1: that movie most is you've already touched on it, but I love the different interpretations that people could have. Like you could give twenty people a piece of paper and say write down your thoughts on this movie, and I guarantee they're all going to be different. You know, like that's, my that's wife funny. and I watched it last night. We both we were like looking at each other, like, "What do you? How do you take? The, you know, like how did you perceive that scene?" And like both of our interpretations were different. So I was like, "This movie is great." You know, just that in itself is great.
2: Thank you so much. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I can't remember who said it, but honestly, the the final scene of any film should be the walk to the car when you're leaving the theater. It should be... <sighs> right,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's and it's a-, a
2: great film to me. Like I left Parasite just being like, holy shit, you know, this... It, the the Lighthouse, which you guys have to see um, It's it, I, I feel like any great film The Shining, like what the hell did that last Moment mean, like did, did he assimilate Did he, I feel like if A conversation is started because of the Film, the film can't be a failure um, yeah. Because It's just it's, it's telling stories and And getting people to talk about those Stories and pick it apart and make it personal That's why I gave lovers Basically no dialogue because I didn't want to make it so specific that you walk away and you're like, "Oh, I know exactly what that was." I I love I love the different reactions. I even love the people who are like, "I hated it," because I'm I'm just like, that is totally valid. Like, yeah, I feel that's a valid point. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fine. Like, yeah, it might seem pretentious, <clears throat> sure, totally, but it's it's the story I needed to tell at the time, and I I think. I think creating it the way I did, you know, nothing will be like lovers again. Um, but it's, it's where I was at the time. And I, I had enough people behind me that were like, we believe in this. And honestly, because they believed in it, I believed in it even more. And you know, if you don't like it, I totally get it. And if you do like it, I mean, I understand that more because I love it. Um, (laughs) it's, I just, I, it, it's been really fun to see people comment. And even the trolls, I'm just like, that, that comes with the territory. You have to be.
1: Yeah. You especially kind of in horror. Wind. Yeah. Especially, yeah. You get
0: a lot of uh, trolls creeping around. Which is
1: fine. It's fun. Yeah. Totally.
0: It makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, uh, the power of interpretation here, I guess, in a little bit. Cause we're, we're going to cover a few because films. Every
1: movie you chose <clears throat> ends the exact same way you talked about.
0: Yeah. Which is like. And yeah. oh, god, everyone
1: discusses. How, so what, how did that end?
0: I fell into a deep yeah. black hole over the past week, uh, <laughs> the doing research. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah.
1: So Emily, uh, real quick, you've already touched on Bergman. What are some of your biggest influences as far as directors and actors or writers? Like what, you know, what inspired you to do what you do?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, Bergman more recently I, I found in the last few years. Um, but I would say primarily, um, Stanley Kubrick, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Lynn Ramsey, who is one of my favorite directors ever. She is a fucking powerhouse. You were never really here is a masterpiece. We need to talk about Kevin. My God, um, I I love that Scottish woman. And if I ever meet her, I will <laughs> I will just kneel down. Um, I love her so much. Um, I'd say Charlie Brooker, uh, the creator of Black Mirror. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, that show is great.
2: Writing here Oh my God! I mean, talk about horror! <laughs> like,
1: oh, and it that... touches on all the different like there's... elements of horror and the different tropes, and
0: and there's just such an intelligence to it too. Because sometimes I, I think a lot of the criticism well, on the industry is like, "Well, what, what's the value in this gratuitous?" It's like one 90 ninety-minute act of you know overindulgence and gratuitousness, and it's like, well, that's one interpretation, I suppose. But I things like black mirror i think are what really round out the genre to say it's not all that right there is a lot of interpretive intelligence to a lot of of the genre so
2: absolutely and and it also shows that you know a horror film or a horror a horror story doesn't have to be in a dark house with you know creepy sounds and blood and like yeah. horror can happen In life on a daily
0: basis through yeah
2: daily basis like amongst the relationships we have and the miscommunication like I, i think horror is a much more broad spectrum than than we've seen maybe seen in the past and i think people like charlie brooker are are taking that into something new and some people might call it horror and some people might not i absolutely call it horror because it scares the shit out of me and that's that's great writing um so I, I would say him, absolutely. Um, moving into performers that inspire me, I'd say uh, Kate Blanchett, Laura Dern, uh, <clears throat> who just very deservedly won her Oscar. Oh, she's um, phenomenal. Un- unbelievable. Um, I just adore her. Um, and I would say um, Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, Willem Dafoe, and uh, Andrea Riseborough, who is a, a newer... Um, kind of mainstream actress, but she and I went to school together and she is unbelievable. She's about to be in, um, a, a series called zero, zero, zero. Uh, she was in death of Stalin and, um, it was fascinating. I, I was a year below her in school in England and, uh, just watching her rise. I, I knew how great she was and, uh, just watching her, she was in two episodes of black mirror actually. Um, and, uh, very cool. she unbelievable. If you haven't seen her work, please watch her work. It's, it's some of the greatest acting on screen right now.
0: So I, I know you mentioned, uh, John Klein, but of, of the folks that you talked about, are there, yeah are there people of like specific, of specific nature that have like really, really helped you along the way? Do you have like one person that you think of and you're like, Oh, without that, that individual, and maybe it's not just one, but like, uh, ah, yeah. there's no way I could have had any of this come to a realization.
2: I mean, I think it goes back to, I, I mean, my mother for sure. Um, but I, I, I would go back to, you know, being a kid in that appliance store, the video store in the yeah. back, my my grandmother. Um, See, what we're she, doing for
0: you here is when you get your first Academy Award, you can listen back to this uh, <laughs> podcast and you're going to be like, I, I got it all mapped out right there. I've, I have everyone to thank and it's all, it's been logged.
2: <laughs> well, if the Academy will give out Oscars for horror films, absolutely. Um, that would be...
0: That's our quest. <laughs> we're trying to change the perception here. So we're doing it not... through the back door of, of Youngstown, Ohio.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love the movement and I want to be a part of it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But I think, yeah, my Nana, I mean, my my grandmother, she was the one who she was kind of the first adult that didn't judge me or like tell me what I could and couldn't do and um she just you know she she made it okay that I liked those films and those stories and you know made me feel like and still makes me feel like I'm not weird you know that's
0: I definitely have that person in my life too my my aunt Jan was the one that and she doesn't even like horror all that much but she would be she would tolerate it I remember when I was a kid we'd be
1: She would facilitate your desire. All right,
0: let's go to the movie (laughs) store and get a couple snacks and chocolates. And I just remember laying in bed, in her bed with her as a kid and watching Friday the 13th Part 2 and just being like, this is great. This is like, this is what, this encapsulates exactly what I wanted. Jamie, did you have something like that? Yeah, I
1: think everybody has to have somebody like that. Mine was my older brothers. They're both 10 years older than me. Yeah. Oh. You know, so when you're growing up, I grew up, I was born in 81. So I was watching movies like The Gate that came out in 1986 when I was five. Yeah. Yeah. Like terrified, but that's kind of what got me to where I'm at today.
2: It's, well, it's just so important. And those people are so dear to you. And it's, it's an authority figure telling you that this deep, dark secret is fine. And like, you're totally there behind you. And you just, I don't know, from that, you, you can blossom, you can kind of grow because you're accepted. And so I think that that person or those people, your brothers, those people are so important in your life. And I think, I think that's the basis of creativity is feeling safe and feeling accepted.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool to hear that the person you selected was not an industry person. It was a person personal to you. So that's, you know, what's
1: funny is when I listen to uh, different directors or horror film industry, you know, people talk about what got them into it. It's always the same type of thing. It's a parent. It's an uncle. It's a grandparent that let them watch these films that, you know, a typical parent may not let you watch at the age of 10 or something, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's, it really goes down to like, you know, we're all a little scared of the dark when we're a kid. And like, honestly, when, when you can sit down and and tell a scary story or watch a horror film, it's putting the scariest stuff in front of you, but in a controlled circumstance. And so honestly, I've always been a very like, anxious person I, I have to be doing something and i'm always like okay what you know i have anxiety and so i think that's why i create because that helps but i think watching horror films it's controlled anxiety and it's controlled it's controlled tension and if you can make it through this you know what's happening in your life is not you know you're not getting your leg chopped off here um you know and, and yeah it's an and outward manifestation funny.
0: of something uh, much deeper oh i totally agree with you
2: yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's cool. a way to, to work through emotions in a way. I,
0: I truly feel, too, like – I know you mentioned Hitchcock as one of your larger inspirations. and that For me, those Alfred Hitchcock Presents um, and the yeah. Alfred Hitchcock Hour, growing up watching those with my mom, oh, my God. The, those really – I think of those episodes so fondly, and I, I think of them throughout the week the way I think of old friends. And they are physical manifestations of what you're describing too, uh, and and I feel like that was probably one of my major gateways too. So that the, the context of this that, that's super relevant, and I, I didn't realize it until this conversation.
2: Oh, I love that! I love that you have those those memories. It's it's why it's so dear to us. It's we're seeing the scariest stuff with the people we love the most, and yeah. you know, and and then we see everything's okay. So I feel like horror is is therapy in a lot of ways um at least for me i I know if i can sit through something and and fully get immersed and fully believe it and jump and scream or you know and go through this tension this controlled anxiety and come out of it it, for some reason my blood pressure is just lower after and like Hannibal
0: Lecter uh what did they say his (laughs) his heartbeat was 85 beats per minute as he ate that person's liver or something
2: that's right yeah exactly Oh, my God. Are you calling me Hannibal Lecter?
0: No. Well, maybe.
2: <laughs> maybe. Maybe a little bit. Um, that's so funny. It, yeah. I mean, that's that's my understanding, maybe psychologically, of why we relate to horror so much. Um, but, yeah, that that's – anyway, back to your original question. My Nana. Thank you, Nana.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, though, about the wave of emotions. Like, you know, you've just sat through a great horror movie when at the end you're, like, a little bit tired, <clears throat> but also, like, you know – very calm, totally. like you said. Yeah, it's it's so good when you watch a good movie like that that takes you on those emotional like ups and downs.
2: <laughs> oh, totally! I, I love walking out. <laughs> I love. I mean, if you haven't seen The Lodge yet, oh, I'm um, not yet. It just, guys, holy shit! That is that is one of my favorite films for the last five years. Um that film, I saw it at, in Spain at the Sitges Film Festival um, when I was there with lovers, um, and then it just came out. And I took I took my boyfriend and my friend Kyle, and uh, I was like, "Okay, guys, get ready." And I I knew what was going to happen, and I still left that theater just feeling like, oh, oh my god, yeah, like it's. it's but it, it, that's the best feeling. We we were all kind of silent after the film finished. None of us knew what to say. Um, And then the conversation started and would not stop. Um, So I think that's something that sparks that
0: is fantastic.
2: It's my favorite thing. And so that's that's what I hope to do with my work. I want to disturb people so much that they they don't know what to say. And then they start talking and can't stop. That's the hope, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's exactly like what we were talking about, even with your movie. You know, it's like I'm still thinking about that this morning. I watched it last night.
2: Thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> uh,
1: the Lodge just came out, didn't it, like a couple weeks ago?
2: It did, yeah.
1: But you said you were so watching fun. it on the festival circuit a little bit? Is That's where you saw yeah. it?
2: Yeah, I saw it last year. Um, God, when was that? I want to say like August, something like that. I went over with my producer, um, Keaton Wooden, who's unbelievable. Um, and uh, yeah, it was It was like a 10, 15 a.m. showing. Yeah. Um, in Spain, and so we we got up and good morning. Uh, still jet lagged.
1: Yeah, here you go. <laughs> good,
2: good morning horror. They play horror films twenty four hours a day during that festival. It's the best. Um, I was going
1: to ask you about that, uh, not to interject, but I was going to ask you what that festival circuit is like as a filmmaker. Is it is that an emotional roller coaster? You know, like
2: oh my how, god, how yeah. does that work for you? Yeah, the festival circuit, it's. It, this has been my first time um, doing the festival circuit, and quite frankly, I didn't know if anybody would like *Lovers* at all. I, I didn't know if they would consider it horror or some weird art house thing. And, and thankfully, a lot of people really loved it. So I'm I'm just so grateful for the the festivals I've been able to go to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it premiered at the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival in California. Um, And honestly, I told I told Justin, my boyfriend, I was like, you have to sit on the aisle seat because I will run away before my film plays. (laughs) I'm I'm so scared of watching this. I would be the same way. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I'm I'm like a you know, I've trained on stage. I've, I've performed in the West End like I've I've done tours of Shakespeare play like I've been on stage in front of thousands of people. But, for some reason, I was like, "I can't change anything when you're on stage. You can alter your performance and listen to when people are laughing and when they're gasping and kind of but you the film is done. Yeah, you can't baked. do anything
0: yeah, this is what it is, yeah
2: like i you know, this might be terrible. It's having <laughs> so the confidence
0: got- too, to put the stamp on it to say, like, All right, this is officially done. We're wrapped like this is going out now, and once it's out it's like that's it."
2: Yeah, I, I mean it's 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 terrifying. Speaking but of anxiety, that, yeah. Oh God! Oh my God! I was I was a mess. But um, <laughs> when when it happened, I remember near the end of it, um, when uh, the when the woman—I never call it me; I just call it the woman. When the woman drops the mirror at the end, it, I knew I was going to be okay because the theater was totally silent. But I heard one woman in the back just go. <gasps> and i was like oh thank god there's a reaction yeah, that's I got the it. one you wanted yeah. yeah i was like oh i think it's going to be okay <laughs> that's awesome
0: so before so, we we di- yeah. we definitely want to dive into some of the the movies that you like from this psychological uh, horror genre but uh, before we do that what what are you currently working on yeah let's uh, hear about what you have in the works i know some you can't talk about but
2: oh yeah um hopefully soon um yeah but uh So uh, the feature film I'm working on right now uh, with my partner, uh, Justin Brooks, um, we co-wrote and will co-direct later this year. Um, It's called Kept, uh, K-E-P-T, being produced by Untapped uh, Productions, run by Andrew Corkin and Theo James. Um, Andrew Corkin uh, was a producer on Martha Marcy May Marlene, amongst many other films, uh, Theo James... Uh, his partner business partner um was the star of the divergent series um cool very cool so yeah we're working with them and uh we are we are talking uh we're uh, i want to i want to say more but we're we're moving very quickly towards um production so so i'm really excited and i i hope i can announce well
0: as soon as soon as we have info on it that's allowed to be shared with the public um you can get it to us and we'll share it with our listeners and we'll we'll Keep uh, creating some visibility keep for tabs on yeah for what you're working on, so that's great. So Thank let's you so, much. so prior to this, we asked you to give us a few movies that that you like. So these these are no particular order, um, but you mm. gave us three good ones uh, in the psychological horror uh, like madness, descent into madness, yeah, descent yeah. into madness. So mm. let's uh, let's talk first about uh, Jacob's Ladder. So Jacob's Ladder, 1990.
1: Yeah, not the mm. remake.
0: Yeah, not, not the remake that no, I just no. found out about this morning. Um, but the 1990 version, Adrian Lin. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking. I didn't realize. It. So he only did about like 13 films, uh, hmm. Adrian Lynn, And one of them was Fatal Attraction. But most <clears> of the <throat> other stuff on the list I didn't recognize.
2: Yeah, nine and a half weeks. Um, I mean, his his films, he, he did a lot of films that caused quite a stir. Um it, yeah, I, I feel like he he's such a, a 90s director in a way. Um
0: Tim Robbins it, glasses in this movie. Those are 90s. Speaking of Harry Potter.
2: <laughs> I love those glasses. So yeah, yeah so good. I mean, I, I this film, honestly, I I only discovered in the past few years, which is kind of terrible to say, but um this film fel- this film is a masterpiece. I think um, it, you just don't, you don't fully know what the hell is going on for a, a really long time. Um, and it, even it's, at
1: the end. Yeah.
0: And I, so it's go, it's going to be tough to talk about these films without talking about the end. So for those of you who have not um, seen this movie, we, we are going to look to will the be end. Spoilers, so there, yeah. there will certainly be a spoiler, but just kind of on the whole, like the general synopsis of this movie, for those that haven't seen it, um, so Tim Robbins' character is is sort of mourning a dead child. You come to find, and he's a, a Vietnam War veteran, and he's sort of dealing with some disassociation and not really recognizing what's real and what's not, and kind of it's it's very the the pacing is very un, unstable. He's weaving in and out of um, various states of mind and physical locations too, which is neat and weird. Um, yeah. so it's not only psychologically jarring, but it's also physically jarring because a lot of what he's, you come to find envisioning, uh, are, you know, it's all, you know, manifestations. So it's, it's yeah, really, the
1: horrors he encountered in Vietnam.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely part of what's linked to it. Um, so, yeah. so Emily of this movie, are there notable scenes that, that you have found have been super impactful for you from this, from this film?
2: I mean, I, I think, <clears throat> I, I think a lot of these are so they've, this film created a t- type of narrative that I think has been repeated and, and imagery from this film has, has carried on into other films, but th- this is the first time we saw a lot of these images. Um, I, I have to say, I do love the opening kind of sequence into the subway ride, um, which is Calm before the storm, and then anarchy in Vietnam. People shooting each other. Yeah. A man's is falling off. It's horrifying.
0: Two different commutes to work, right? One uh, on the subway, one on a helicopter. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh God, yes. Oh no. <laughs> um, well, I think, but it, from from that, then we like wake up with him in the subway, like you said, and it's. But the funny thing, the the little detail I love about him waking up in the subway is he's reading Albert Camus' The Stranger. Um, which is kind of a tipping of the hat towards maybe none of this is real, maybe none of this matters. Um, that existential tip of the hat, I I really love. Um, no, I didn't so, even
1: catch that. That is great. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I just love little details like that, and obviously Kubrick has that, uh, you know, all over the place as well. But um, I I love little things like that, little Easter eggs. Um, the dance party, I think, is yeah, is that scene. Our- Fascinating sequence, and it goes on forever. Like, I feel like
0: so many of these movies, stuff from the 90s, um, 80s and 90s, particularly, which I think is probably my you know, my favorite sweet spot there from 80 to to 2000, I'd say. But, um, the pace of films then versus now, it's just so different, yeah, you can't get away with a lot of it now. Um,
2: but it's so great because you get to live in that sweaty, hot, you know, dance party that the strobe is happening and then there's a tentacle and what the hell? And like the couple's having sex on the, the couch or they're, <laughs> yeah. up through, and, yeah. and you're like slowly descending into this madness. But the thing I love about this is, is the pacing because it drives you fucking insane too. <laughs> yeah, Because you're, it, it, it takes the time to make you feel like Tim Robbins to make you feel like Jacob. And I think that is such, I, I feel like the, the quick-paced editing and the overscoring of horror films now really gets in the way of feel like identifying with the main character which which in turn makes the horror that much more effective. Yeah, I think um,
0: a lot of times that the absence of the absence of a score is just as impactful as the presence of it. So, and that and I think you're totally right now overscoring is a factor for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, and- and over editing and and listening to what I can only imagine our studios just saying like the scenes too long, we need to cut it. Whereas this, like the dance scene, it goes on forever and uh, you're never bored. You're it's just, it's enthralling and you can't understand what the hell is happening. So I, I just, I love the pacing of it and I love the space that it, it had. Um, And then, I mean, and then, of course, I have to point out the the hospital uh, scene that, you know, where he's wheeled through. Um, oh, yeah,
0: that that is very crazy. that's one that I wrote down. That one is, is very unsettling.
2: Oh, my God. I, I mean, you know, going from a kind of normal hospital to the mental asylum to people on top of him and then rolling over pieces of bodies, which is so disgusting and so. It's yeah. shot in such a way that you feel it when the, the wheel goes over that, whatever, if that was a foot, it goes over that, like, yeah. meat. What's it, funny so is, I, so
0: <sighs> we talk about cats a lot on this podcast, but we just got a kitten and my daughter has this little, like, fake, uh, fake stroller that she uses, my two-year-old, and she ran over the cat's tail with it, like, the following day that I watched that and I instantly went back to that scene in my mind. <laughs> uh, so there was a real-life dad parallel. <laughs> So, I have one scene I wanted to mention, too. Yeah. So, this probably says a lot about the uh, kind of horror that I like, but the scene where he's talking to um, the girlfriend, things are coming unglued, he's been sleeping a lot, and he's sitting at the uh, kitchen table, and Mm -hmm. she flashes and has those black eyes. uh, And those teeth. Yeah, and the teeth. So, I was watching this out on my porch by myself late at night one night, and that sends a chill right down your spot like it that's a terrifying (laughs) scene
2: Uh, yeah
0: that's a great scene
2: Um, i i'm so glad you pointed that out because what when i first watched this film like a couple years ago um and again i came really late to the party so apologies everybody um i get it i know um but when i saw that scene i was like wait what happened and I had to rewind it and like pause it a few times just to be like, why? What happened? Like, did I blink and miss something? And then if yeah. you pause it, her eyes are totally black and she's got these tiny dagger teeth, and it's just for a second, but it's so. Again, it's it's the director playing with the audience, being like, are you losing your mind too? Yeah. You know. It, and you're, it's you so ask psych- yourself like, what the hell did
1: I just see? Um. Well, reminds yeah, me of Bilbo and Baggins. You, from that.
0: Oh, dude, ring. so so true. That, that is flash. such a great yeah. example. Um, yeah, because when he sees the <laughs> ring and he like lashes to get it. Well, so we always kind of yes. cover some same teeth, some quotes too. So one, I thought that you'll probably appreciate Emily since you live there now. I used to live yeah. there, but um, when Jezebel says, uh, "Jake, New York is filled with creatures," I, I always like that and brings me back to the Chud days in my mind. But <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: oh, it's, that's so funny, and and yes, it is. All kinds.
0: <laughs> Jamie, anything on Jacob's lighter that you want to mention before we head on to our next film?
1: If I had to pick a scene, it would be the when he almost gets run down by that car. <clears throat> yeah. And then yeah, they pass, good. and in the backseat you just see like monsters turn around looking at him. Yeah. That's when you're like, holy shit, what am I watching?
0: An actual descent into madness is what you're watching. Yeah, because
1: I think up to that point everything seems pretty much on the up and up, like <clears throat> pretty normal. And I think yeah. uh, that scene was like the first one where I went like, whoa, what the hell's going on here?
2: Absolutely. Well, and you're like, is this a conspiracy against me? Is this, you, it, yeah, exactly someone trying you... to kill
1: him? Yeah, like what's going on?
2: Yeah, I I love that scene, and it's it it's right before that, there are the group of girls singing, um, "Wait a minute, Mister Postman," which yeah, seems yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, he's getting hit on. He feels good. He's walking down the street, and then all of a sudden, someone's trying it, to kill it, him. It just and and I have to say, it, maybe in closing, you know, talking about this film, it. This film is so brilliant because it, it masks itself as an exploration of PTSD at first. We think that we're experiencing the, this film. We, <laughs> When you start watching the film, it, it does seem to be a soldier experiencing PTSD and physical ailments from war. But as you move through the film, and again, spoiler, you find out that this is his brain madly trying to wrestle with the guilt of his son, the guilt of what he's done trying to make sense of death in the final throes um, of of life, and finally, in the end, he is able to to get to a kind of peace and walk up the stairs with his son, which is so,
0: oh, right, it's, that as so a parent watching and, that, yeah, dude. also, Macaulay Culkin uh, in this, Macaulay he's such Culkin. a cute little kid yeah. in this movie.
1: Well, he was cute. just a cute little kid, yeah, in, in everything, the, Uncle Buck, kind of, he a was creep just a now, cute, now uh, yeah, but. Oh, we don't need to go. We don't need to go there. His descent into His madness. His descent into you
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but uh, as a kid, my God, like what? How? What better child actor could you have gotten to make us feel horrified? You know, when the that yeah. the truck runs over the bike. We're, like Macaulay Culkin as a kid belongs to all of us because we grew up watching him. Honestly, he
0: is a, that is everybody. That's America's son. Yeah, we yeah. all
1: died a little bit when totally. we watched My Girl, and he got. Stung by oh, the levi.
2: Can't even talk about that. The worst. Stuff. Yeah. Can't talk about Thomas J. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother oh.
1: podcast. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: so, so we can jump into your next film that you selected here if we fast forward one entire decade to the year 2000 uh, yeah. with American Psycho. Patrick uh, Bateman. You know what's that. funny
1: is we touched on this a little bit earlier uh, before we started recording, but when I first saw this, I was probably like <clears throat> 19. Mm. I think I went to the military and I was like in my dorm room by myself. Watch. I rented it. Had no idea what I rented. Hate, oh, wow. I hated it because really? I, I didn't realize it was a comedy. I took it yeah. very on the nose and I, I just, I was so disturbed. I was like, had to take a shower afterwards. Oh, I was total. like, Oh my God. I, I hated it up until like just recently I rewatched it. Like, I don't know, a few months ago and I loved it. You know, yeah. I, th- I thought it was hilarious, but those sure. images never left my mind. Just so horrifying because I didn't see where it was really coming from.
2: It, it's just so, like, you never listen to Huey Lewis in the news the same ever again. No, never. Absolutely
0: film. never again. Uh, and, I
2: mean, I, I have to say, like, I, I chose this film not only because it's one of my favorite fucking films, um, and I love watching it, but it's directed by a woman. And Mary Harron is yeah. so... Yeah. Unbelievably, she was so steadfast in her vision for this. I've read the book. I love the book. The book is far more terrifying than the film. It is.
0: truly is. I've read both this this book and the last book for the movie we're going to talk about. And this one, I actually yeah. I was living in Chicago and I remember you always feel like when you're on the train going to work that people are reading your book over your shoulder when you're reading it. And I remember Ooh. feeling very self-conscious about reading this one because it truly is. It's it's, it is more terrifying. It is more graphic. It is more grotesque. It's more granular and detailed. Um, and holy yeah. shit, this is a serious ride to go on. Um,
2: it, it is. It is so, I, I, I've read the book, I've read the book many times and it, I think it is honestly the scariest book i've ever read i I think it's its ability to jump between such detailed maniacal horror and talking about a whitney houston album it's just so fucking terrifying (laughs) you can jump so quickly back and forth and it it, like it doesn't matter and even the book the book doesn't end it there's no punctuation mark on the last sentence it just you get the sense that this horror is going to keep going whether it's real or not which is
0: it's very it's very unsettling and so for those that haven't seen it uh just a quick synopsis is is you have a a shell of a very wealthy 80s you know banking investor who um you know he grapples with his indulgence in this like psychopathic ego that he's developed and uh it, like weaves into and out of his wife with it, his life with his coworkers and strangers and uh his love life if you want to call it that though i don't think he has the capability of loving anything um so scenes within this movie um i i have mine and i'm sure it's going to be talked about before we get to it but scenes that you that you like a lot
2: i mean there's the quintessential one i i guess we can immediately go to um well i guess there are two that really really stand out um the first i won't really call um a horror scene although it kind of starts uh it, the dominoes falling down for him it's the business card scene that's, which is that's one it. of the funniest
0: that's what it, i have written right here the, business card scene
2: <laughs> it's just so freaking hilarious it, it's um the
0: way he's sweating He's like B- oh, oh bone white.
2: <laughs> He's like that oh no! Aneurysm, like on that off-white changes. Color, yeah. watermark.
0: The subtle oh off-white color. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just it's just so funny, and I feel like we've all met someone like this. Like I, I certainly have met someone like this. I sadly like went on a few dates with a guy like this. <laughs> um, but the the attention that maniacal attention to. Things that just do not matter at all. But th- this is this man's life. Like he, he decides in that moment he has to possess um, a Paul Allen, or he has to destroy him. Like he, he must, he must get close enough to take this man out. Yeah, he's got to um, conquer
0: it. Like that's his, that's his quest. Is the obsession of that. I, I yeah. think that scene with Jared Leto, the Paul Allen character. Um, that one's pretty impactful too. When and, and before so a, any of his acts of deviousness, he goes into those tirades on, um, on the, the music of the time, which is always uh, fun and funny. But before that one is when he's talking to Huey Lewis in the news and the, the paper that's taped to the, to the ground and uh, Paul Allen's sitting there just with that huge glass of bourbon and he he's buttoning up the raincoat and grabbing the ax and uh, that whole that whole scene is just so <laughs> so well done and I know there's a lot of criticism about uh, Christian Bale as as a as a as a person being tough to work with but he acts the shit out of this movie he's hilarious he's great he's a wonderful actor Well can I have
2: to say and not, sorry to interrupt but Mary Heron, initially her take on this was this film has to be a comedy and Christian Bale has to play the role because he was the only one to come in and see it as a comedy, Leonardo DiCaprio was signed on to play Patrick Bateman initially.
0: Oh, um, I do there, love Leo, but I'm glad it was Christian Bale. Uh,
2: oh my God, I can't imagine anyone else, but Leo came in and played it very seriously and very dramatically, which would have never worked. Like, we can't, uh, people, uh, we don't worship Patrick Bateman. He's he's ridiculous, and he's he's meant to be so, and, and uh, apparently Christian Bale was the only one to come in and just say, this is hilarious. And Mary Heron was like, thank you. And so she actually got ousted from the project because she refused to cast Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh wow. Um, And she got removed from the project. Um, and I can't remember who, who took it on, but then it, it fell through the film industry is crazy and fickle but thank god it came back to her and she was like i'm hiring christian bale like th- this is his film and now it's just this cult classic because it is fucking hilarious and it's oh, so ridiculous
0: in the bathroom after the guy from who i didn't realize this but jamie mentioned it the guy that plays uh the the head of Huli on um silicon oh, valley
2: yes i love him so much
0: but when he's in the bathroom, he looks so
1: ridiculous in this movie, and he
0: goes to like choke him, and then the guy comes onto him, and he's like, "I like, knew, I it? knew you've been looking at me." And Then he tries to wash his hands with his gloves
2: on. <laughs> it's all so ridiculous, like so
1: ridiculous.
2: I, I, and well, and I feel like I had the same reaction when I first saw this film. I didn't know what I was seeing either. I took it seriously, and I was very offended. I was very like, "Oh my god, this is this is just terrible!" And how how yeah. dare. And then I I went back. Who would and make like, this? Yeah, exactly. A woman made this? That's terrible. But honestly, I went back and watched it and I was like, holy shit, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I, like, yeah. my boyfriend and I just finished watching it this morning. And, I, I mean, I could not stop laughing. I forgot. You forget how freaking funny the whole thing is. Um, so what's your take
0: it, on the end? Like, what, what do you think happens at the end? I'd like to hear everyone's thoughts on this.
2: Well, um... I mean, honestly, I, I'll be honest, the first time I saw it, and I know people have different reactions, but my first reaction was everything happened, and that people were just cleaning up after him, and that it was, um, that was my first reaction to it. I don't think that now at all, but I do love that it can play both. Yeah. I love that you can live in, but could, because the world they live in is so ridiculous, yeah. and everyone is so the same. And what about you,
0: Jamie? Do you, do you think it happened, or do you think it didn't happen?
1: I think it did not happen, yeah. and my I first agree. thought was relief. Like, oh, thank Christ, this didn't really happen because <laughs> yeah. this oh, shit has been so horrific.
2: Totally, yeah. and I... honestly, like watching the film again, I'm so sorry. I, I'm just so excited about this film. Um, oh no, we love it, yeah. Oh my god, but watching it again, um, it, you you find out at the end he, he's having this argument, and I don't think any of it happened, but I do think those those underlying tendencies are there. That that. Schizophrenia, that maniacal, that that psychopathy is there, but at the end of the film, you're not even sure if he is Patrick Bateman. You're not even sure if yeah, exactly. that's his name. Oh yeah,
1: in the you're conversation not sure if he has with the lawyer. You're not sure. Yeah, yeah, you you don't know.
0: I read, I was reading some perspectives that were like hybrid theories too. Like one person said that they think, um, like the Paul Allen thing did not happen, but that everything else did. So they're they're. There's some serious research to be done on this, uh, but yeah, this great film, great pick. Um,
1: you know what's funny, yeah. real quick, is I read that I was reading that um, Christian Bale based his character on. Um, I guess he saw Tom Cruise on a late late night show. Oh no! Like I don't know I... if it was you know Jay Leno or what, but that he like watched him on that, and he said he saw like Tom or Tom Cruise being this. You know this person he thought he had to be but like his eyes seemed like there was nothing behind them and he said that's what he based his character on i found that's that to be character.
0: interesting that's horribly okay. depressing to think about yeah yeah uh, I, donald I, trump comes up twice in this
1: film too tom cruise is tom oh, yeah. cruise could be an american psycho so yeah well oh
2: 100 i think i mean tom cruise i think he would i don't know that he would have as much of a sense of humor about it maybe no no um, but I love that he based it uh, on Tom Cruise, and I love Tom, Tom Cruise's work. But um, I, I totally, we've all seen Tom Cruise jump on the couch on Oprah for I sure. Mean,
1: yeah, yes, we have seen that
0: over and Hopefully over again.
1: And not to, not to isolate anyone who's a Scientologist, but you mm-hmm. hear that he's a Scientologist, and you go, "Yep, he is a little bit crazy." Totally. Um, all right, um, so let's let's move to
0: our our, our last film here, which is. Oddly enough, I didn't realize this when taking notes. Classic. But all three of these films he selected took place, they were released in the first year of their decade. So yeah, you, you 1990, did a great dream, 2000. Picking... Yeah, you did and that, then
2: 1980. Did not do that on yeah, well, like, these are jet setters. It. Yay. <laughs> so 1980,
0: The Shining, um, Stanley Kubrick, wow. you'd mentioned. Uh, and then when our boy Jack is in this, we've talked about this film on the podcast before. Um, but. For those that haven't seen this, and I don't know who those people are, but if you haven't seen it, this is, you know, former teacher and writer uh, Stephen King's story, uh, and the character is a former teacher and writer who um, has agreed to take his family up to a very remote hotel to act as a caretaker for the off-season. They get snowed in, and um, the, uh, the Jack character uh, Jack Torrance slips deeply into madness uh, and I guess the case can be made that he was already in madness uh, when heading there but uh, very very unsettling film very very crazy uh, Emily would love to hear your thoughts on, on this movie
2: um, yeah it, it's I mean it's just a masterpiece uh, watching this again you think you know this film and you really don't honestly I, have you so, read the book So, you know, I actually haven't read the book, which I feel like I feel like gives me a knock as a horror fan, which I totally take that knock. Um,
0: It's not anything. If you haven't read it, you haven't read it. But I I would definitely encourage taking a look at it to see there are very obvious criticisms that have circulated over the years of this not adhering and Kubrick doing what he wanted. But I'm, you know, kind of glad he did because it's a great movie. But um, yeah. So we'll talk about it I mean, as just the film.
2: T- absolutely, um, and I I would love to read the book. Honestly, I I've my my partner he loves Stephen King has read pretty much everything he's written. Um, and yeah, I I've honestly I, I hate to say this, but I'm such a Kubrick fan that I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> like I don't I don't want The Shining to be anything but the film in a way. Um, yeah, you want to I preserve love it so what, you, much.
0: Your, what your relationship currently is with it
2: in a way yeah and maybe that's stupid maybe that's selfish but um no, i just it's honest is i what just, it is. i i just love the film so much and i i know kubrick was was quite a pistol to work with and i know he and king had words um but i man what a fucking perfect film this is i i just from the moment it starts you're just so uncomfortable and i think it's very clear that jack torrance something's wrong like i think very something is something, wrong yeah he's very amiss with mr torrance um and i think
1: man did jack nicholson play that perfect yeah
2: oh god well and it's just you've got this simmering i I mean the shining is so fucking brilliant because it's about the people closest to you the people closest to you are the ones who will hurt you the most and i think that the horror of that of like that familial disquiet, that's what gets to me so much. Um, And I think honestly, you you get that underlying tension that that Kubrick creates with these long takes and, you know, little hints of like things are not quite right. And, you know, Jack seems a little sarcastic and he, yeah, he hurt his child a little bit, but everything's okay. And it's just, everyone's kind of denying this darkness that's underneath until you get to that one scene where, and talking about scenes, Shelley Duvall comes into the main room where he's typing, and he just says, "Can you just fuck off?" And you're just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> um, like I feel like the air goes out of the room because finally they're alone, and finally he's saying what's on his mind, and what's on his mind is not good. <laughs> um,
1: not not good at all. Yeah, you don't want to go there.
2: And no. so
0: what? I guess what do you think? So clearly he's got issues here right so what do you think these outward manifestations that the family's dealing with represent like the the twins and like everyone's kind of consumed by the chaos of their environment that they're in so like what I guess what how do you interpret that
2: I I mean I think to put to I I don't think there's any one explanation for it and I think that's I, I mean I think you can argue either way um but like you both said, you know, these films, you walk away talking and arguing about them forever. And that's the brilliance of them. You know, we, we could talk, I could talk about all of these movies for another like three hours. Um, but honestly, I, I think you can look at it in both ways. I think you can say the hotel is haunted by these terrible things that happen. These spirits are coming back to consume Jack and to make him assimilate him into the hotel you could also look at this as an addiction story, uh, a father who is abusive, and addicted, who falls back in and his family is sharing in the horror of this addiction and abuse. And thankfully they're able to get away from it. Um, but I think it works on both levels. But I think ultimately to go even broader, I think that's what's brilliant about horror. I think it can. Cause it's horror, up to you. Yeah, it's up to you and it can create these, these, insane allegories that yes it's about a haunted hotel but it's also about what if he, a relationship with a father you know and and you know horror dads like it's yeah this is a horror dad right here like yeah man. we covered
0: this on uh the best and worst dads in horror and and not surprisingly yeah, he, he was one the of list. the bad ones yeah, yeah. Um, well that's
2: good that's good i, I think you were correct on that. Not, not a role um, model of ours no, no, no. I would say, and and clearly not not the most imaginative writer. I mean, he just you know, he he seems to repeat himself over he's, and he's over kind again. Of one one <laughs> note,
0: you know, those, yeah, just one, one. To <laughs> Yeah. So um, I I yeah, feel like I, I want from yeah. this movie. I want it to be just because it's the aspect of horror I like. Is like I want the spirits to be real, and I want them to. Total. And uh, that's what I want out of it, but I, I feel like from an interpretive standpoint, I kind of feel like it's, it's a reflection of his, his psychosis. Mental state. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have a little bit of a different perspective too from, from the book. I'm a big Stephen King fan. So I try and read all his books, despite the fact that he's a Boston Red Sox fan.
2: Oh dear. I, I don't know. So I can't, I can't like parlay back. Cause I don't even, that's, is that that's baseball, right? Yeah. yeah,
0: but this is a horror podcast, so we'll. Yeah, stick we don't to that. talk about
2: baseball here. <laughs> we don't talk about baseball here.
0: So uh notable um, scenes, I guess, before we wrap up on this this film.
2: I mean, just pick I'm, one.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's like there's,
0: there's so, so many right. iconic.
2: it's So difficult, honestly. Okay, I'm gonna go to the one that is kind of one of the most disturbing to me, and it's it's a quieter scene. Um, it's where Danny comes into the bedroom and we, we see Jack sitting on the bed. Um, his beard is growing out. He's in a robe. But that one shot, it's so disturbing to me of where we're behind Jack. We can see his reflection in the vanity mirror. We see his pants on the vanity stool. And we see Danny in the middle of two Jacks. So basically the the frame of it is we've got Jack Nicholson on the right and on the left in the reflection and Danny is stuck in the middle and that scene that image is so horribly disturbing to me because Danny's just surrounded on all sides by this evil yeah. that's in his father and then goes and Jack picks him up like like he weighs nothing and sets him on his knee and just starts talking to him and Danny looks up and says you would never hurt me and mommy right and i mean oh, that, that's
1: very haunting
2: that is i've chills is, with
1: you just saying it
0: that's oh, a very God. good uh uh description of that scene too Jamie, oh yeah do you have a terrifying just... scene Jamie, you have Ooh, a specific that's... one that rattles your core
1: um i mean again you could pick any scene in this movie really but um i <clears throat> I think the one Emily already touched on, the All Work and No Play Makes Jack a Doll Boy, like when you first see that manuscript, it's like, holy shit, this guy is just a psychopath.
2: Yeah, the paradigm shifts right there. You're like, oh, he hasn't been working on anything. The
1: whole tone, because he's like pissed at her the whole time because she keeps interrupting his work, and then it's like, wait, this
2: is what you've been fucking working on? Yeah,
0: this is what's been important. (laughs) What in the
2: hell? Oh, it's so it's so terribly, terribly disturbing. Um, it's just yeah, and the whole film changes from that point. Absolutely, you, you yep. go back and you're like, oh, everything I've been seeing is a lie. And I love those moments in horror films that you're just like, oh, and then you have to rewatch the film.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. So I guess mine would probably be what I refer to as the original Mrs. Brumsfeld, which is probably uh. Uh, an unpopular thing to say but I always say that because the woman in room 237 is just like the woman from the faculty um, whose hair <laughs> falls out but uh, totally. that, that scene for me is that's been following me around for decades in my brain so oh,
2: I don't think that old woman that old woman's body coming at you with no teeth laughing Ugh. like I don't think any of us slept for a good while after right. seeing that. that. good god
0: <laughs> that inflated terrible looking oh yeah
2: oh my god yeah that's i mean ultimately it, and you have to think too like it, it's so funny talking about stephen king you know if you go to pet cemetery what's the most terrifying thing about pet cemetery is the sister in the bed it's these i i, I, can,
0: I cannot yeah. agree oh, with a sentence more that what? anyone has ever said in life zelda oh <laughs> has been zelda. sleeping in my under my bed yeah, forever zelda, yeah.
2: Oh, oh, she's still under my bed. Like, I'm still terrified of Zelda. Uh, and that freaking soup that she can't eat, it, it's just terrible. Oh, I, that I mean,
1: soup, yeah. Oh, God. The soup is as scary as she is. Yeah.
2: But it's so funny that in, in both of those films, like, the most terrifying things are these these women, <laughs> in yeah. a way. Like, these... Oh, my God. Those are the images that stick with you. And I I think that's, that's how horror can work on so many different levels. You not only give the audience these images that yes, will be in your nightmares. But then you also like layer in these deep relationships and this guilt and this the darkness that, you know, you've maybe experienced in your own relationships in, in life. And that's what makes a great horror movie. You give them the images, but then you give them the underlying allegory that that that's what haunts you for longer, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, I absolutely. Agree. Well, yeah. Emily, this
0: has been so amazing. Thank you so much. We'll we'll definitely love to have you uh, have you back on and and have your partner on too. And oh yeah, thought well, that would be or, great to have
1: you and Justin together. Yeah. So
0: oh we'll, my
2: gosh, it it'll have to be like a four hour podcast. Yeah. We've <laughs> that's exactly
0: all right. Got we'll we'll cue that up. Um, but that that's the <laughs> function is to use this to help pass the time and talk. Yeah, this about This has things been amazing,
1: Emily. It's been great chatting with you. Um, oh, I th- thank you guys so I much. I think I think everyone knows there's not enough. Uh, female filmmakers in general but especially in the horror genre so you know we love thank talking to you We're, we love what you've done uh, we can't wait to see you know more that you put out
0: yeah thank you and best of luck with lovers we'll make sure we get that circulated yeah
1: we'll make sure everybody sees it thank you so much
2: take care well, Emily okay. alright take care guys bye bye